Let us pray. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life and taking over. I belong to you and have been cleansed from my old sinful nature. That life no longer appeals to me. I want nothing to do with it. You have given me a new life in you. As I decrease and let you have your way in my life, I see that new life growing. You are teaching me to walk with the same bold confidence you have. You humble me with your greatness. As I search your word for understanding, you give me wisdom and strength. I have new eyes and desires. I see how different I am becoming as I rest in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for this new day and freedom. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's daily prayer. For more inspiration and an incredible message from our feature pastor, stay tuned to Pray.com's Sunday Service. Welcome to Pray.com's Sunday Service, sponsored by Altrua HealthShare. Follow this podcast and listen weekly to receive godly wisdom and practical advice for daily living. Stay tuned for Sunday Service, coming up after a quick word from our sponsors. There's an innovative, better way to find health care. We're Altrua HealthShare, an affordable and flexible way to take care of your family. We're a community of like-minded, health-conscious individuals who share in each other's medical needs. And you can customize your health care your way with Altrua HealthShare. You can build your membership based on your season of life and your family's needs. Head to myshare.org to find out more. That's myshare.org. Altrua HealthShare, where we care for one another. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. 
Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at zerofoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is New You. It's always nice to get something new, you know, and I don't want to, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble with my wife here probably, but if a woman says to you, I don't have anything to wear, what does that mean? I don't have anything new to wear, right? So I need something new to wear, not what I have. There's a city in England, a little northeast from Liverpool, Manchester, and the name of that city is York. Now that's the original York. But there's a what? There's a New York. Now, the New York is nothing like the original York because it's the New York, okay? So this thing about being new, you read the definition for something that's new, not existing before, made, introduced, or discovered recently, or now for the first time. Can also be not previously owned or used of recent origin or arrival. So you say, I got a new car. It turns out it might be 20 years old, but it's what? It's new to you, but it's not new. Already existing, but seen, experienced, or acquired recently and now for the first time. But new can also be unfamiliar or strange to someone. So here's one of the tricky things about becoming a Christian. Some people don't do it because everything would be new. So it's a little scary. New is scary. I talked to a kid very recently, and he's going from the sixth grade to the seventh grade. And that's all going to be new. And I remember being that age, and I remember being not as big as everybody else. And I remember thinking, this is going to be terrifying, and I'm going to get beat up. And they're going to say things and do things, and it's going to be overwhelming. And I'm not sure I want to go to that new class, that new school, that new arrangement, because it can be overwhelming can also be different from a recent previous one, something new in addition to another or others already existing. Just beginning or beginning anew in regard is better than what went before. And we'll talk about this in a minute. You say, well, I'm going to start a new life. And let me just say this so I don't forget it later. You can't start a new life unless you have a new life. Because if you are who you are and you go to a quote-unquote new place, new situation, new house, new whatever, not the same as, if you are still you, it isn't going to be different in the new place because you're not new, okay? So you think, well, I need a new husband. I need a new wife. Not the one I have because this is screwed up. The problem is, though, if you're screwed up in that marriage, there's a good chance the new one's going to find that out about you too. I remember sitting with a lady who had been married five times and she came and wanted me to, you know, she was trying to get married again, which I don't even think is legal in Texas a sixth time, but I actually think that's a thing. 
So we sat and talked, and I'm not throwing people under the bus, you know, multiple marriages, maybe everybody died, but that wasn't a thing in her case. So I looked at her and listened to her, and she was not, you know, kind of doing well. And I said, I don't know all of the men you've been married to, but I said, I just figured out something that all of those men have in common. Do you know what that is? She said, no. I said, you. So at some point you say, well, if the old me's not working and I need a new me, where do I get a new me? So let's start in Genesis chapter one, verse one. We're going to go left to right, and I'm going to call out some names of some books in the Bible. You're going to be pretty sure they don't exist, but I promise you they're in there and I'll help you find them. So Genesis 1, 1 literally says this, in the beginning, God did something. He created the heavens and the earth. And this type of creation is, and I don't usually throw things like this around, but it's ex nihilo, which means from nothing. So when you create something from nothing, you almost have to create the nothing first to create the something from the nothing, because even nothing doesn't exist. So God is in the business of creating things from absolutely nothing, and boom, there they are. Now that's power. And this is not what we're talking about today, but just to start out rude, you need to really give some thought if you say there's no God, because it's going to smack you so hard one day you won't know what happened to you. The Bible says, in the beginning, God. There's a God. You say, I can't get my head around that. You need to pray and say, God, pray to the God that doesn't exist, that if you do exist, please show me you exist, because I'm going to be in trouble if I miss you. Because the Bible says the fool says in his heart there's no God. And Romans 1 says that you say, and I get this, one of the number one question I get, what about all the people who have never heard? I'm about to give you the answer to that question. They are without excuse. That's what the Bible says. Now, what does that mean? Literally, the creation screams that God exists. And so anybody that goes, this could never have just happened, it's illogical, it doesn't make any sense, this didn't just happen, this is designed, this was made by someone, I'm going to go with God, and so I got to figure out who this God is. Because if he can do this and this didn't just happen, then he's probably got a design and a plan for my life. Okay? So you're dealing with a God who can create something out of nothing. So remember that and we'll come back to that. Isaiah 43. And some of these might be very encouraging to you, depending on where you are in your life. But Isaiah 43, verse 18, and this is Old Testament. He says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Stop dwelling on what's in the past, what you know about. I'm going to do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So God talks to them, even in the Old Testament, about doing a new thing. And a new thing is something they don't know anything about. Okay, so you think, I've figured everything out. Everything that exists already exists. And I'm very intrigued by this. I, you know, I think, well, we've got these big airports. Will the day come in my lifetime, maybe if you're younger in yours, when those airports will just be giant pieces of real estate that somebody will want to buy because they're obsolete? You say, well, what are you talking about? What would happen? I don't know, some new thing right? Maybe we're all flying around in drones. Maybe, you know, something else gets invented. You say, well, everything's been invented. Yeah, they thought that a few years ago too. The computer will never work. Dick Tracy, you know, what was his name? Dick Tracy and the watches on your wrist. You know, when you're a kid thinking, oh, that'll never happen. You know, Apple watch. And you think, well, that's it. And then they start implanting things in your body. And hopefully I'm in heaven when all that starts. 
Lamentations chapter 3. Now you say, where's Lamentations? Go, I think it's two books over from where you are. Okay, you're right there. So don't get freaked out. You can find this. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22. And this also is another reason why you should read the whole Bible. Because you go, well, I just read John and Genesis. And you know, I don't get bogged down all this other stuff. Look at these verses. Lamentations 3:22 Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not they are new every morning great is your faithfulness the Lord is my portion says my soul therefore I hope in him This is again Old Testament the mercies of the Lord were not consumed because his compassions fail not new every morning so what does that mean his compassions new every morning every day every day every day new every morning do you count on that? Because you can't make it without that. He shows up fresh and new every day. Now go to Ezekiel. Go to the right. It's just right there. And this is pretty astonishing. And I don't even know if they knew what he was talking about. I think there's some verses in the Old Testament that we look at now and we go, oh, that makes perfect sense. But in the same way that we read the book of Revelation, if you could get on the other side of the book of Revelation and look back, you'd go, oh yeah, well, all that makes sense, what it was describing. But we're on this side looking toward it and it hadn't happened yet. And you think, well, what are all these verses about grasshoppers and what he saw? Like, we can't make that out. On the other side, it would make perfect sense. So Ezekiel here, God says, verse 22, Therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. For I will take from among you the nations gather you out of all the countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And look at verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And that they didn't know about. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament would come on somebody but never moved in somebody and stayed. So I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and multiply it and bring no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your field so that you need never again bear the reproach a famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good, and you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. For your sake do I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. So something's going to change at some point when this happens. And in the New Testament, you see it happen. So go to John chapter 3, New Testament. Now, this is one of the uh, probably most quoted verses when we get to it. And you think, well, everybody knows this stuff. I don't think they do anymore. John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, so Jesus inserts this thing about being born again. 
If you've had a baby, seen a baby born, a grandbaby, any of that stuff, there's nothing like that kid, right? In the same way that there's no you out there, there's only one you, even if you're a twin, a triplet, it's still, there's only one you. So when a baby comes out of a womb, it's a new baby. There's nothing else like it. So when Jesus looks at him and says, you have to be born again or what? You won't be able to see because you don't have on the first birth eyes that can see the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. But when you're born again, a new person is born. That person is a spiritual person and that person has another set of eyes that can see spiritual things. So if you're not a Christian, you are a one birth person and you live in a physical world and in that physical world with your physical eyes, you can look and see and observe someone's life. That's why the scripture talks about, let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works. So they see what you're doing, how you're living. And as a result of that, they'll glorify your father who's in heaven. But that doesn't change their life unless they get curious enough and say, you know what? You have something I don't have. I see something physically, a manifestation of what's going on with you internally. How do I get that? That is a new person. It's not just the person you were born. So you've got a mind, soul, heart, body, all these things, but your spirit isn't alive spiritually until you are born again. And that gets activated and then you can see things and understand things you just can't otherwise. Now, some people say, okay, well, I think I'd be better off living like a Christian. So what do they do? They emulate things in the Bible. They read the Bible and say, don't steal, don't do this, and it's the do's and don'ts, and they think if I just change my behavior, that will change my life and my eternal destination. It will not. You have to get a new life, and the only way to get a brand new life is to have a new birth. Okay, we're all on the same page? So if you have not been born again, you will never see the things that we're talking about, because you don't have eyes to see, ears to hear in that new person. So he says, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? A little sarcasm in the Bible. Like, you know, what am I going to climb back in and come back out? Now you say, well, who would say that? He had no idea of any other possibility because he's thinking physically, which most people that are born once think just physically because that's all you got. But Jesus is not talking about getting back in and coming back out because that's not new. Verse five, Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, and some people try to make this into baptism, that's not what this is about. What happens before a baby's born with a woman? Water breaks. Unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. So physical birth, Flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So you say, well, that sounds like two people. Exactly. So I got the first me that was born physically in this body, but I have, because I've experienced a second birth, I got a new me living in this old me. Okay? So you say, well, I'm a Christian. I got the new me living in the old me too, but the old me's running my new me. So I look like the old me, not the new me. So here's what happens to you if you got a new me living in the old me. You say, well, I must not be a Christian because I'm living like I used to. But you're sick of it. Because see, if there's only one you living in there, that's all you know to do. But the new me starts saying, dude, what are we doing? Well, I, I like doing this. This is who I am. I'm not changing. Oh, yeah, you are. Because you're going to get sick of this. Because you can't live in sin any longer. 
Now, you might sin, but you can't live in sin. And this drives some people nuts who are determined to prove that they're who they used to be. And this can apply to anything. Somebody, the Bible says, let him who steals, steal no more. Why? Why do people steal? They get off on stealing. They might be lazy. They just might like the, oh, it's so exciting. I'm sure stealing is exciting. I mean, I've done it before. It's been a long time. You know what? It hasn't been a long time, actually. This is a weird deal. This is how subtle this is. I'm on the golf range hitting golf balls. I go in, I get my big bucket of balls. I go out there. And I'm hitting my bucket of balls. And then there's a putting area where somebody hits their bucket of balls. And then they leave them. So if you run over there and act like you're chipping their bucket of balls and put their balls in your bucket and go back over, you got two buckets. You say, well, you just found some balls on the driving range. No, I stole a bucket of balls. I didn't pay for that bucket. So what did I do? I called, didn't go in there because it was too hot and I was too tired. I called the pro shop and I said, I just need to let you know, I found a bunch of balls, someone left, and I took those and I went and I hit those too. And I'll come in and let you punch my card again. And the guy said, wow, thank you so much for calling. Why? Because nobody does that. They just steal the balls and go home. So you say, well, wow, why would you admit something like that? Because we're all in the fray. Because the old man is trying so hard to get away with stuff because he doesn't want the new guy to run the show. It's hard being second when you were first. And the old man don't like losing to the second birth. Who's this new guy? I think he's going to run my house. It's my house. This is how we roll. This is what we do. This is who we are. You can't come in here and tell us we're changing all this. We like doing what we used to do. And the new guy goes, sorry, I'm the new guy. And it's all new now. We're not doing that anymore because we don't have to. Now you say, well, uh, that's not happening in my life. If you live, it will. Because God will allow you to go right back out there and get in all that crap you were in. And then you'll wake up and go, what in the world? This used to be fun. I feel terrible now. I don't want to feel terrible. I want this to be okay. It'll never be okay again because there's a new man running your house. Okay, so keep reading here. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes and from where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. So you say, well, what does that mean? You could be sitting in this room. You could be walking down the street. You could be in your car. You could be in your office. You can be wherever you are listening or at any time. And all of a sudden, like a breeze, a wind that you can't see, the spirit of God, bam, hits your life. And you go, what was that? And where did that come from? Don't ask so many questions. Say, Lord, is that you? And he says, yeah, that's me. You sense that. Respond to that and say, okay, I don't want to fight you. I know you exist. It looks like you've touched my heart, you've touched my life, you've stirred me in some way and given me faith to believe. I'm going to believe. Now, here's what you can't do. Just because the new guy moves in your house, it may take a while for the new guy to take over the house. And don't be discouraged. Don't grow weary. We talked about with some men recently in well-doing because the transition, you say, well, it should all be new. It should be immediate. The reality is it's not. It's a process. Birth is an event Growing up is a process. New birth is an event. Growing is a process. And so it is going to be messy. Why do you think verses like in 1 John, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those verses are in there because we sin. And so when you sin, you confess. And hopefully what will happen is you'll get tired of confessing, if not just get tired of sinning. 
Because at some point you just feel like an idiot. Why am I back here confessing the same thing I've been confessing for 30 years? This doesn't make any sense. This is not who I'm supposed to be, who I even want to be. Who will deliver me from the body of this death, it literally says. Okay, so only death or Jesus returning delivers you from this. So you're stuck in this body with two people. But every day you wake up, you make a decision who's running this house. Okay, go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, there are some people that take this route. And actually, there was a time I became a Christian as a child. Didn't make a lot of sense for a long time. Someone explained grace to me. And here's what can happen to you when you understand grace. You can go on a Wahoo trail. Like, oh, okay. You know, I got grace. So grace means... No matter what I do, he's got to forgive me. So then you go on kind of a shooting spree of sorts. I can just do this and that and that. And what's God going to do? He loves me, so he's got to forgive me. And a lot of Christians went with that back in that time and said, well, you know, we're, it's all this grace and all this forgiveness and we can live like hell and he'll just forgive us and it'll be okay. So this is addressed. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So if there's grace is so great, let's sin more so we can use it up. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And by the way, the word baptized in the Bible doesn't always mean what you think it means. The word baptized simply means to put into. So it's not always about water baptism. It's about being put into Christ. Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in what? Newness of life. It should change. Now, this is what is so easy and convincing, frankly, for people who meet someone who says they became a Christian. You say, well, but you're still a screw up. Don't act like you figured it all out if you just became a Christian. I've changed some diapers in my life. Those first black ones, I can't figure out what those are. What's the name of those black ones? The Maconian. You don't know? Yeah, look, at she's got a newborn in her arms. Like, she like knows what that is for sure. Yeah, those are, that's like, whoo. Might have to take this baby back. Look what just came out of that butt. You know, it's like, oh my gosh. So you go, well, but why are you saying that? That's just natural. Okay, so babies generate diapers and they have to be changed. So same thing with new believers. But when people who are not Christians observe someone and it's real, it's not perfect, they go, okay, so you became a Christian, yeah, but you're still struggling. Yeah, I'm still struggling, but I don't feel the same way and I've got an answer, I got peace, I got joy, I got forgiveness. They go, okay, I can maybe deal with that. And then they watch and go, so you're changing. Yeah, I'm changing. And the conversations are different. The topics are different. The places you go start changing. The desires, thing you don't want to do anymore. It just starts to change. And that person says, well, wow, dude, you're just not the same person. It's like you're a new person. Why? Because you are a new person. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's go down to verse 14. Too many of us are trying to get along with the first birther. You're trying to be accommodating. The new man... The new person is trying to say to the original guy, look, we can figure this out. Like, you know what? I'll make concessions. I'll let you do this if you'll let me do that. You got to shoot that guy in the head. <laughs> Better than that, you don't have to shoot him in the head. He's dead. Paul said what? I'm crucified with Christ. Now, how's that possible? Paul wouldn't hang him on the cross when Jesus was on the cross. But the point of it is when Jesus died, Paul realized I died. 
See, you just think that old guy is still alive. And so you behave as though he's still alive and let him run your life. Instead of going, he's dead. I don't have to live this way anymore, unless you choose to. And then where does that get you? Nothing new, I can tell you. It's all the old stuff. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Okay? So I look at somebody who becomes a Christian, not been a Christian, young, you know, they're making a mess. So you say, but okay, but that's, that's not working. They're newborns, there's no change. Yes, there's change, but you've got to stop looking at people for the old person they were and start looking at them as though they're a new person and assume they're going to grow, they're gonna change, it's all gonna be okay. But what do churches do? Someone comes in, they fall on their butt and we pounce on them. Oh, if you were really a Christian, you wouldn't be living like that. You did. Why are you busting their chops when you fill diaper after diaper way past your time, right? So you have to be gracious. You say, yes, it's sin, but they're newborns. So it takes some time to get up and running. It's going to be messy, okay? So you patiently help people grow and say, okay, so what are we doing? Like, well, I went back out there and did this or that, whatever you're, you know, if it's drugs, alcohol, some sexual thing, whatever it is. You say, well, I went back out. Okay, well, let's stop going back out. That's not who you are anymore. What do you mean that's not who I am? That's what I'm doing, but that's not who you are. One of the trickiest things in the world is to take in somebody who has been a drug addict, maybe drug dealer, alcohol, whatever it is, some addiction. They've ended up in prison. They've been, you know, told, you know, almost died when you were born. You're a loser. You'll never amount to anything. And so you take that person and they believe all that stuff. And then you put the new man in there. They become a Christian. And now God himself lives in there. And you start trying to explain to them, say, look, the stuff you were told, the lies you were told based on what you, where you came from and your behavior behavior, that is not who you are anymore. You have options. You don't have to live that way anymore. Then what does the devil do? Say, dude, don't listen to them. You got no other option. This is it. There's a guy in the room right now. For years, I've been walking with this guy. And before he was a Christian, early on, he was a... I don't want to ask him. So anyhow, he, you know, he was dealing drugs, marijuana, some other stuff. That was just a way of life. That's how he made a living. So he becomes a Christian and he starts walking with God. And what do you think happened? He's not making as much money. He's trying to do the right thing. He gets a job. And then the devil says what? Same thing. We have strippers show up from time to time. And if you're making 1200 bucks a day and you become a Christian, and some smart aleck Christian looks at you and says, well, you need to stop doing that and get you a job. Okay, what are you going to do? 15 bucks an hour, your resume is going to say good on a pole? I mean, what are you going to say? <laughs> well, you need to stop doing that and go do this. There's going to be an adjustment period. Beautiful girl showed up years ago, was a stripper, and she stopped. But the guy that ran the club, these guys know what they're doing, and he'd call her. He'd say, hey, I know you don't want to do this anymore, but I know you got a truck payment coming up. You know, I just need somebody for Friday night. Will you just come in? You know what you can make, and then you can go back out. You can get out of here. The devil's a snake. Get you going. I got another buddy to talk to, smoke crack. And you think, well, do you have any normal friends? Not a lot. But. <laughs> and he said he quit smoking crack, and he locked himself in his house. And the dealers knocked on his door and would leave it at the door free because they knew if they got him going again, 
He was back. So you say, back to my friend here. Dude, you can't have a job. I went to see him one day at work, and a drug dealer showed up at his job. And you say, where are you going? The same place you're going. You think this isn't going on where you live? This is how crazy the world is. I could literally ask one of these kids, hey, call, I'll give you a number. I could have drugs delivered to this room within about 10 minutes. Anybody know that's a fact? If you need the number, all those people have the number. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> so you sit down with a guy and he's going to work and he's dealing drugs. You say, dude, it's not going to work. He goes, I know, but I need some extra cash. So it takes a while for him to get, you know, say, okay, I can't do that anymore. But he's not doing that anymore. What, are we going to shoot him in the head because he's still struggling? Or you say, well, there's church discipline. There's verses in there about, you know, throwing people out of the church. That is the last resort. And this guy is not saying, I don't want to do what God wants me to do. I'm just struggling. All right, the next verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So because of what he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a what? Now look at these two words, new creation. Now what does that mean? That means it's unlike anything else. Literally, God who can create something from nothing, when you became a Christian, he made you a new creation. You look in the mirror and say, that's me. That's not you. That's the house you live in, but that's not the you you that's going to live forever. Not the physical piece. Because you're going to have a new body, new heaven, new earth, all this stuff's in the Bible. So you say, well, that's who I see in the mirror. When the new man, new woman moves in and you're a new creation, even the person you see in the mirror starts looking different because your life begins to change from the inside out. So if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become what? New. So give it time for the new to kick in. Don't give up on new. It's better. Now, this is what I think Christians think and kind of why I'm going here today. What we have kind of been somehow adopted and believed is that God just took you and he has refurbished you. He's remodeled you. What are my other words here? He's restored you. He's improved you. He's making you better. He's just painting over the rust. He sanded you down and got you, you know, you say, well, it's kind of like you go to a junkyard. I think I've talked about those garage shows. I love these shows where they go get a, you know, a car out of the dump the pound, what do they call it, salvage yard, and it's a terrible car, they load it up, they take it in, and they take it apart, and they dip it in acid, and get, you know, and they rebuild the car. That's not what this is talking about. We're not rebuilding you. You get a new you. You say, oh, but God restored my life. He may have restored the new new, but not the old new, not the old guy. You can't restore that guy, he's dead, we don't need him. So if you ever figure out there's a new you, and what is possible with him in that life, your life's gonna go nuts in the best of ways. Because then you start going, okay, wait a minute, so I'm not some old thing that's just been fixed up. No, there's a new you. And so you say, well, God, what does that mean? I've only had one new car in my whole life, and I'm gonna tell you something, it's different. Because I usually had old cars and would never leave the house without jumper cables. <laughs> Either for me or somebody else. Because if you're always getting jumps from somebody else, there's no way you're not going to be willing to jump other people. Not in that way, but you know, you just, if they need help, you got to stop and help. So I usually stop and help people because I had so many people stop and help me. And I'm going to tell you something about my old 78 Lincoln. I really don't even know where it is today, but I would not take it back restored over a new car because there's nothing like new. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians 4, 17 
This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So the other day, I'm doing some work, it's hot, I come in the house, and if you can smell yourself, you stink. If someone else can smell you, you smell bad. If you can smell yourself, you really stink, okay? So I come in, I take those sweaty, dirty clothes off, kind of drape them over the clothes hamper because you don't want to pile them in there. The things start growing within 10 minutes. You know, you just want to drape them. Maybe they'll dry off. I jumped in the shower, got completely clean, and then I got those clothes and put them back on. Why are you making weird noises? Because who would do that? Why do you keep doing that? You go to God, you confess your sin. Okay, it's all better. And then you go in the dirty clothes and put your dirty clothes back on. Why are you putting dirty clothes on? Put the new man on. Because that old guy's what got you in trouble in the first place. So you say, well, what does all that mean? How does that apply? The scripture talks about putting on the whole armor of God as though that's something you can't do physically. It's not a physical armor, it's a spiritual armor. So this new man, it's not a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing. But you say, Lord, it's like, I want this guy off of me. And I'm putting on the new man. I want this guy. How many military guys we got in the room? Any Marines? We got a lot of Marines in here. Okay, stand up. You're no Marine, dude. You just got a white shirt on and some pair of pants. How's he a Marine? Right? He can climb some Marine all day long. Now, if he runs outside, goes in the bathroom, and puts his uniform on and walks back in here, the whole room would stand up almost. Because he put on Marine. Does that make sense? So he can hide in that. He can't hide in Marine. And there's something that happens to you when you put that uniform on, right? It's not like going out in street clothes. Okay, you can sit down. Thank you, sir, for your service too. So y'all see what I'm saying? So you wake up and go, I don't want to wear Marine out there today because then I'll have to live a different life. People see me differently and, you know, they'll be talking to me and stuff. I just want to chill and hide out. Ain't no chilling and hiding out when you're a Christian. You put him on and go. And when you put on the Lord Jesus Christ, when you put on the new man, people will see that. You say, how are they going to see that? There's no way they can't see it. That's just how it works. Because you will live differently with that on, as opposed to the other stinky stuff you've been wearing. All right, let's try a few more verses, then I'll quit. Colossians chapter 3, similar deal. Colossians 3, 9, a couple books to the right. Okay, and here he gives some very practical, specific stuff. Colossians 3, 9. Do not lie to one another. Why? Since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Stop lying to each other. And you say, well, who's lying? Don't raise your hand if you're lying. <laughs> right? But you'd be amazed how much lying goes on. That's the old man. You say, well, I don't think I'm a liar. I didn't think I was a thief until I got out on that driving range. You say, well, but that's, you know, that's just a little technicality. It is what it is. One of my favorites is somebody calls your house and one of your kids answers the phone. Hello? Is your mommy there? <laughs> and mom's waving her hand at her kid like, I'm not 
So the kid goes, she says she's not here. (laughs) Until they learn how to lie. And then they're not telling the person that you're actually lying. You say, well, dude, we just do that. You know, you're teaching your kids to lie. And then they lie later. And you go, why are they lying? You taught them how. Good enough for you. And it's always circumstantial. Well, I wouldn't always lie, but, you know, I was taught to lie where you needed it. So then you're filling out your taxes and you need it. And now you're a lying thief. Have I left anybody out today? I'm trying to hit all the targets as much as possible. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds, the way he lives, the way he works, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Look at this, created him. So it's going back to this deal. This new man was created where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So it's not about where you're from, background, you either the new man or no new man. Okay. Last one, Revelation 21. And this is where it kind of gets a little exciting because we put everything in terms of what we see and categories that we have and what, you know, it'll be like based on what we know. Revelation 21 verse 1. Now I saw what? A new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Now you say, well, how is that possible? That can never happen. It's not going to happen. Now, I have not seen the new heaven and the new earth. Someone has. Who's seen it? This writer has seen it. What does he say? I saw a new heaven. So he has seen something that nobody had ever seen, including himself, and no category for. You say, well, it'll probably kind of look like this. Let me tell you something about the universe. This is just God showing off temporary house. And we don't even know where the edge of this thing is. So if this is something he just kind of created to do his thing while we're here, then what in the world is heaven going to be like? I'll tell you what it'll be, something new. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered the heart of man the things that God had prepared for those that love him. And why? Because it's new. It's totally different. So when God says he has a new place for us there and he has a new life for us here, you need to get in on that new life. Keep reading this. Saw a new heaven, a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. The sea's gone. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write these words, for they are true and faithful. So you want a new life? You got to get a new life. You can't just change your location and think that's going to change your life. Because wherever you go, there you are. And if there's not a new you there, it's just going to be the way it was the other place. So where do you start? You say, God, I've only been born once. I'd like to add a second birth and see what this is that you're describing and what is possible with a new person living in this old body and let the new guy run my life because the other guy is ruining my life and running my life. How much more devastation have you got to see for you to say, okay, God, I'll do what you want me to do. How much more pain? 
how stubborn are you going to be? How stupid are you going to be? How, oh, I can do it. That's two-year-old nonsense. I can do it by myself. It's not going to happen. So you get a new birth. And if you've got the new birth, then get in on the new life. You say, well, I don't know how. Why do you think we're so big on discipleship? It's raising kids. So someone comes along and says, okay, did you know this? I had no idea about that. Why didn't somebody tell me this? And I've shared this before. When the old man that helped me, Claude, helped me, I got furious. I was so stinking angry because he was teaching me things that someone should have taught me years before that would save me tons of pain about how to live the new life that God intended, not that old crap I was stuck in. So why do we get so upset that you, and why do we push so hard that you are left with just the old man? Because that's not how God intended this. Well, I'm going to go to some church where they'll leave me alone. I pray you don't. If you're going to go to some other church, go somewhere that's pushing to try to help you live the life that God intended, where you find out who the new you really is. And our Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it works. It is true. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help people understand and see these things clearly, maybe like they never have before, only you can do it, and bring your word to life and give us understanding the wisdom that we need to apply it to our lives and to pursue you in what is possible. I pray for people especially, Lord, who are sick of their sin, sick of what they set out to prove that they could take the benefits of having a, a home in heaven and just go live like hell with no consequence. And clearly you love us too much not to discipline us and bring us back to yourself. So thank you for that. Thank you for being merciful and that, you're, that, that you're, your mercies are new every morning, that you come at us all the time trying to woo us to yourself, draw us to yourself. So first of all, Lord, for anybody that a breeze is kicked up on spiritually and they know that you have touched their heart and their life and they would just finally yield and say, God, I know you are and I see that you're a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. So I'm, I'm after you. You're after me. Now I'm after you. And I, I understand now that I'm a sinner and I will never be able to fix this by myself. I see that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead to offer me not just eternal life with you forever, but an abundant life, a new life between here and heaven. I cannot live this old life anymore, Lord. So I accept. I accept the forgiveness of my sin. I accept the gift of eternal life. I ask you to come live in this body like a new person has moved in and show me what you intended. I know it'll be messy as has been stated, but Lord, be patient with me. I know you will and send people to help me make sense of this, and live the life that you intended. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. And that I now know I will spend eternity with you forever. And Father, for those that are Christians already, and there's nothing but the first birth running everything, and somebody would just say, enough. I'm putting him off. I'm putting the new man on. And I am going to live the life that has been possible through what Jesus did in my behalf and see who the new me is. Lord, honor these decisions that are made and give people encouragement and courage and surround us with each other, fill us from the inside out with you and help us do what only you can do but what you intended. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. 
We're confident that the program blessed you, and we want to hear about it. Give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. The podcast, The Bible in a Year with Jack Graham, is a moving and inspiring biblical audio experience that will help you master wisdom from the world's greatest book. In each episode, you'll learn to apply biblical principles to everyday life. Each cinematic episode is a journey through the Bible's most profound stories that will strengthen your appreciation of the Word and inspire you to keep learning. Listen to The Bible in a Year with Jack Graham on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody rugged, resilient, and timeless. Need an easy button to feed your baby? Baby Bretza's Formula Pro Advanced makes a perfectly mixed warm formula bottle automatically at the push of a button. No air bubbles, no fuss. Literally, choose your temp, select your ounces, push start, and you're done. Works with virtually all formulas and bottles. Say goodbye to the 3 a.m. feeding chaos and hello to this revolutionary stress-free solution. Raising a baby is hard enough. Let Baby Bretza make feeding a breeze. Get your Formula Pro Advanced at babybretza.com.